welcome to the Temple of Blair podcast, episode A.E. If you're new to the podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. Normally I'm diving down the history of Rodan Records and doing other stupid shit like that, but sometimes I get to interview shit-top bands with new releases, uh, which is what I'm doing today. So today I'm talking to Paul Mazurkowicz from Cannibal Corpse, uh, where we'll be talking about the new album Violence Unimagined, which is available on April 16th. I'm going to say up top, get the pre-orders in, buy the art book, get everything, support the scene. Let's jump straight into it. Paul Mazurkowicz, one, two, fuck shit up. taking the time dude uh my my name's jim and welcome to the temple of bleh podcast thanks for having me jim yeah man um so violence unimagined fuck me dude i I don't want to spoil a lot of like the cut the the musical stuff uh for people because this is obviously this is going to go out probably early april um and i don't know what i'm what's within my gift to tell people but let's just let's just start from the start and let's just work our way through. So, how's the press cycle been, man? This is a different circumstance for uh, for Cannibal Corpse as a as a beast, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely for everybody, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's been good. You know, I mean, we it's like any other release, obviously. Uh, you know, you you get a song out there, you get the you know everyone excited, you start doing some press, and uh, you know everybody's doing it, so that's good. Uh, everyone's talking and. Uh, but yeah, but it's, it's been a, it's been a, a whirlwind of course, but it's, it's, it's good to, you know, good to finally, uh, you know, get this ball rolling though, because right. Um, you know, obviously a little delayed in the release of the record and all that, but mm. it's good to get it, uh, get it out hopefully, well, definitely next month and all that. And, uh, yeah, but the press has been good. So that's a good thing. Yeah, man. It's a different setting, isn't it? I mean, there's probably less sort of traveling out to TV spots or, uh, you know, th- doing Eddie Trunk shows and things like that. It kind of lowers the stakes a bit. And I think that's good for conversation. It, let- it lets people have more honest dialogue, I think. Yeah, that- you're right. Yeah, I believe so too. You're right, though. You are correct. Yeah, man. Um, so onto the album itself. I mean, in recent interviews, you've talked about age being come or slowly becoming a factor i'm here saying fuck that man it's not slow you down one fucking bit this is a busy a busy album i mean but what's going to happen once the album comes out is you're going to see a flux of people on youtube doing the cover videos because it is busy as fuck it's 40 minutes of just you know the business happening is it i mean i know eric had a history with the band previously but is is that is his influence on the actual writing process the most prominent part of that? Uh, you know, I think it's a you know, I mean, obviously, he, the, the way we write. At first, I appreciate the you know the kind words there. Um, I mean, yeah, I definitely stepped it up on this one, um, which is it nearly killed me. But hey, you know, we, you only live once. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, he, I, the way we write these days, and and we've had for well, what the better part of twenty years it's a lot of individual writing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so Alex will write his songs, Rob writes his songs. Well, of course, Eric comes in and he writes his songs, you know? So they have to be in the vein of cannibal, of course, you know? So mm-hmm. he's not writing for hate eternal or morbid angel or he's writing for cannibal corpse now. So he's got to, he knows that he's going to, you know, fit the style in there and, and do it, what his take would be. So yeah, his songs are pretty intense. You know, you've heard them and uh, yeah. you know, the three that he wrote are, are pretty fast songs. And uh, I mean, other than the condemn, condemnation contagion, you know, it's got some fast stuff in there, but it's, it's, it's a pretty technical song. 
Um, you know, so I, I don't know if that really has a lot to do with it. I mean, you know, he definitely brings new blood in, of course, which is always exciting, you know. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, Alex was going to write the, what, what he was going to write and, mm. and Rob's going to write what he's going to write, you know, regardless of who's, you know, in the band. Right. You know, so yeah. uh, I think everybody's just kind of stepping it up in a way, you know, and, um, you know, and then I'm just adding a little bit more to these songs, you know. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we're just trying to get better as songwriters as we go. And I think we've have uh, done that. We're obviously always feel that we're getting uh, better at our, our instruments and, um, you know, try to do the best we can do. So, uh, yeah, this is just really the next chapter in the story, regardless, like I said, of who's in the band kind of a thing, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it, I tie it all together. Yes. Because I'm obviously I got to play in everybody's songs. Right. And, uh, <laughs> And I, I felt that, yeah, yeah, you only, like I said, you only live once and, you know, we're, we're probably closer to the end than we are to the beginning at this point. So you just gotta, you know, you want to do the best you can do, I guess, you know, and I really wanted to uh, uh, take my drumming to another level. And I feel that I have, and obviously you, you, you do as well. So that's good. I think the fans exactly are going to see that, hear that, and it'll be a good thing. But, uh, but like, yeah, it's not getting any easier. That's for sure. <laughs> to make a comparison though, man, when um, Murderous Rampage kicks in, I felt um, Where Eagles Dare on Peace of Mind, just that boom, boom, I was like, fuck, it's kicking in, it's kicking off. And it, it really starts the momentum for the whole album. And, it's, and the mix as well, it's like, maybe this is Eric's influence, but I, there's a lot more mid, I maybe I'm, I'm maybe shit, man, but I feel like the, the guitars themselves, they carry themselves really well because they've got a mo lot more space. And it really helps on the chugginess and distinguishing between the two leads. And I think right. it hits... So, that's awesome. Are you at liberty to, to divulge which songs were Eric's? Yeah, yeah, no, no. Um, it's uh, he. Yeah, I appreciate the kind words, right? I mean, Eric, obviously, he's more involved in the mixing and and the producing, right? You know, so mm. so those are going to be uh, things that he's going to be able to know more. And you know, I man, I'm just doing. I just play the drums here. You know, write a couple songs lyrically, and you know, and everyone else is doing their parts, right? But uh, but yeah, no, we of course want to do the best mixing possible and make everything sound as distinct as we can, and you know, try to do better than we did on the last record. We're always trying to thrive and strive for that so um and uh but no he wrote uh, eric wrote condemnation contagion ritual annihilation and over torture and oh. you know and i think really when you listen you can almost kind of tell you know i mean everyone's got their little bit at this point you know rob's got his style and alex has his style kind of a thing and mm -hmm. you know and yeah and those three were eric's songs so um Flow. you know they're, they're Flow. some they're good songs you know so but I'm, I'm cool cool analogy on the murderous rampage too as well i you know uh yeah i mean it was just you know to me that was a song that yeah obviously you're always trying to come up with something that's going to start the album right you know yeah. And not that everyone may be listening to it in, in order anymore these days. I would hope they would. I mean, we're still old school in that sense. But, uh, you know, we felt Murderous Rampage was a good opener to the record, you know, just kind of kicks it all in, you know, sets the tone, you know. So, totally, so that's cool that you feel that way as well. I, the flow's so cool as well. I mean, Condemnation Contagion, it comes in straight after the, the current single, which is Inhumane Harvest. And I fucking love it because Inhumane Harvest is kind of like, it's the Cannibal Cops brand. It's like, here's what you're declaring. The, the, the consistency is still here. The brutality is still here. And then we kick straight into the intro to that song, which is 
being a younger man, I, it kind of I, I had a massive Lama God vibe, big sort of breakdowny oh, nice. sort of crunchy vibe, and it was it was unexpected coming straight off of Inhuman Inhumane Harvest, and it was just so cool the change of pace. It flowed really well with Overtorture as well. It's just just a compliment, Eric, I guess, and you know, blowing smoke up his ass from three thousand miles away. <laughs> that, the, the weird delays on uh, George's voice to sort of like act as a percussive like bounce off uh, off the next riffs and then that weird bass interplay at the end it's fucking brilliant man i, I don't oh, know if you can tell i've had a cracking day listening to this <laughs> i yeah it's, it's good man i'm glad you know i, I uh, it's, it's great to hear yeah i'm glad you like it you know i mean we're we're hoping for these reactions of course when uh when it all comes out i mean so far so good uh, obviously everybody's heard in humane harvest you know and mm-hmm. and 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 seem to really dig the song and and yeah, we can't wait for everybody to hear the whole record. And uh, you know, we're hoping that we get the same reaction uh, that that you're given for for it. So um, <laughs> you know, and I, I I I'm thinking we may because man, we feel we got a good record here. You know, it's a good good solid Cannibal Corpse record. You know. Yeah, man. I made I made a huge mistake though. I tried to count along too slowly, so on. It's not possible. Oh, yeah, oh, dude, that one, you know, talk about a mind bender. Yeah, that one is like, holy, that, that one really, it's not, a, obviously it's not a fast song at all. It's one of the slowest ones on the record. Mm-hmm. But man, that one was so hard to learn, you know, uh, mentally, because it's not, it's speed wise, it's not hard at all. It's just, it came down to the mental aspect and the quick turnarounds and just, I mean, that one, that was a tough song for me to learn, man. And then once you got it down and everything and you're playing, you're like, oh, man, this is a, what an awesome song, you know. But that's the mind of Alex uh, uh, Alex for you. So, uh, it starts in a false sense of security because you think you're listening to a thrash song and then it folds yeah. and it folds yeah. and then it folds. <laughs> That's a good one, man. That that one's going to take uh, the listener, the fans, I think, a few listens to really grasp it, you know, which is what you want. That's good. Some songs, of course, are more straightforward. You know, you catch up, you know, catch them right away and you feel it. And, and then others, it just takes some time, you know. And that's the mm. cool thing about uh, being diverse about writing and everything, having uh, having songs like of, of all these kind of, in you know, different kind of feels like that, which is, which is awesome. And I think it, this album has that for sure. So. Mm. Mm. It speaks against like um, obviously Cannibal Corpse is an incredibly consistent beast, but within that there are many journeys and there are many paths that are trodden and taken around. And I think this record really, really reflects that. So well done. <laughs> oh, well, a great analogy on that, and I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> so typically the band will stay away from current events and will stay away from politics and, and things like that. All the songs are really nicely self-contained. I think that really speaks to the band's livelihood in terms of livelihood legacy. It's timeless. You could even argue, you know, the contentious things of 20 years ago, getting banned in certain countries, everyone seems to have migrated more towards, um, the side kind of the less censorship side, the actual, let's have an honest conversation side. But, in that, keeping everything self-contained in their own way, you went into the studio about this time last year. Did you not sort of look up and go, lads, there's literally a fucking plague about to happen. Should we not try and incorporate this in any way? Right. Well, well, that's a question that uh, you'd have to ask Eric. I mean, he had the, that's kind of what the song Condemnation Contagion is about, you know, a little mm. bit. I mean, it obviously our lyrics come together usually at the end. You know, right. And then obviously we went into the studio about a month after the whole, uh, you know, everything hit the fan and all that. So so I think Eric was writing his lyrics probably around that time. 
and he actually, you know, uh, it, you know, it's pretty, it's loosely based on that, but definitely I think that was his inspiration more yeah. for something like this happening. It was just pretty intense and pretty mm. crazy and, you know, overall horrific in, in, you know, in a different sense. Right. Um, so, so yeah, because exactly, we usually don't tie much in, in the sense of anything realistic, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean we touch, we touch on it here and there. Um, but really the two songs that would be on this record, um, Contagion being one of them, and actually follow the blood that Rob wrote. Um, when you end up reading the lyrics to that one, that's more of like a wartime story, and we never really delve into that. You know, like actual, you know, uh, uh, army, uh, you know, with guns and things of that nature. You know, that's usually not what we write about at all. You know, mm. so so it's cool to have something different in there. You know, if we're going to tie in some reality, you know, so be it here and there. I guess you know, as long as it's it's brutal and intense and horrific, like uh, like it is. So, but yeah, I mean, uh, Eric, like you said, loosely, you know, pretty much based uh, based contagion on on what's happening. Mm, cool, cool. Okay, I think I've spoiled enough of the actual album for people now. Um, yeah. Let's move on slightly in terms of production wise things. So, Alex, well. Necessity is the mother of um, invention, right? So Alex recorded his bass lines at home on, on the, off the back of the, um, the pandemic. It's completely seamless and it's to be expected these days, I imagine. But did that change any, any of your sort of uh, conceived notions of how to go about a record? Would you go about it differently next time? Would you think there's more flexibility in terms of delivering the product off the back well, of the experience? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you can do it, which is good, obviously. I mean, you, you, you really don't want that to happen. Obviously, Alex would have flew down and he would have been here. Um, I mean, just the fact that he was able to do that out of anybody in the band, he's the one, you know, mm. um, he has those capabilities and he can do it. You know, now if it was somebody else, it might not have worked, you know, so so we're just lucky that it, it did. Um, so I guess just the fact that you know that it can happen. Now, I would think, you know, right, the next album comes up, though, that's not what you're going to want to do. I mean, I'm sure you'd want to be here. I mean, the, the, the only downfall for Alex not being here was just kind of really fine tuning his songs, you know, I mean, because he only ended up, he made it down um, in the beginning of March um, before we went into the studio just to kind of go over some things. And that's when we actually did our photo shoot, which actually ended up being pretty lucky because otherwise we might not have really got a proper photo shoot, you know, if we would have waited till April or so, or so which, sure. you know, a lot of times we've done, you know, we're in the studio and then, Hey, let's take one day and do the photo shoot, you know? So we did it prior to the studio, which ended up being obviously the way to go because it might not have worked, but it was just kind of fine tuning his stuff, you know? I mean, but but then again, at this day in this day and age, you've got you know video, and you got you know you can able to you can work that way even by you know getting together that way to be able to kind of sort things out you know so so it all worked out. But right in a perfect world, it would have been great for Alex to be to be here for the uh, in his tracks, and then maybe be here a little bit longer just to kind of you know go over. But exactly what what do we got here? We got a great product. You know, you're not going to, there's no, you know, the, the, it, we can't say anything like, oh man, we, you know, this happened. We didn't do this because of that. No, we got everything that needed to get done and it turned out great, you know? So uh, we're just, you know, fortunate for that. It was a lossless experience in that you lost nothing from it. However, it would have been cool if your mate was down playing with you. Sure. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and, you know, another crazy aspect of this was the fact that once it all hits, 
we were then, of course, um, in the studio. And then you're worried about like, well, what's going to happen here? Because this is, you know, got to look long term. Now, are we going to be able to get this album out when we're supposed to? And as we were recording, normally we're allotting ourselves maybe about two months, you know, two and a half months for recording. Mm-hmm. So once we once it's once we commenced and we started talking with, you know, management, and everything. Well, we we realized we're probably not going to be able to release it when we want to, which in, in, in essence, gave us a little more time to work on the record, which mm-hmm. we wouldn't have had because Eric ended up not having anything going on at the studio because of course, anybody that was booked, you know, ends up falling off. And, and then we were like, Hey, if we're not going to release it when we're supposed to, and, and, you know, the record label don't need it. Like when they're thought they would, well, mm-hmm. let's spend a little extra time on it. So we actually spend a little more time, which ended up maybe being a good thing, you know, work on the mix a little more or what have you. So, so the pandemic helped in that way. Otherwise, you know, we yeah. would have had to have uh, been done a lot sooner and it would have still turned out great, but yeah, having a little bit extra time may have been, uh, you know, may have, may have been helpful. It's interesting how the pandemic's affected the release schedule because you'd have thought, all right, well, to produce a record, you need some consoles, you need some band band members, you need X, Y, and Z, but it's not a massive team. But what I've gathered is it's nothing to do with the production of the album that, that gets delayed. It's the distribution cycle, especially these days, because... There's more money in metal than there ever has been, and it's all thanks to the pre-orders and the vinyl sets and the bundles and all these wonderful things. So it's a perfect segue to talk about the art book. Yeah. Oh, yeah has that happened yeah. before? No, that hasn't. That was great. It was a good, cool thing that we did there. You know, I mean, we had the idea of Vince, you know, kind of doing it in a, in a, a piece of art per per song, you know, every song and a company piece like that, you know. Um, and then actually, I think it was probably uh, – metal blades idea to do the art book thing because we knew just in the booklet itself like in the cd or what have you okay you got some bonus artwork in there you know that can go next to the lyrics or whatever and you get a little extra piece you know which is cool um and then i think it was just their idea of going hey let's make this this uh, cool art book kind of situation which i was like yeah makes makes complete sense we got a lot of art more art than mm-hmm. we've ever had for a release you know so why not you know so that was uh, a good idea i think you know and i think the fans yeah. are going to really dig that yeah it's interesting how the, the art, Vince's art is joined at the hip with the music. It's almost weird how it's taken so long to sort of accommodate it in, in a release cycle as it is. Um, but let's talk about the artwork for a minute because one thing I've, I fucking love, it's a perfect example. The story of the artwork is captured very, very well on a website. So I'm not going to repeat it, um, everything that was on there, heaviestofart.com. So check out everyone, everyone watching this, check that out. Cause it's a really great story, but I'll touch on a couple of things that maybe should fill some gaps. It's an example of, it's an example of kind of engineering the extreme, which is deliberately go too far and have to remove things as opposed to under delivering and building it up. So the original artwork is what we, let's call it a woman eating a baby. It's fucking great. It's really badass. It's really visceral. And it kind of made me feel a bit uneasy. Maybe it's recent fatherhood on my part. But (laughs) is it, was that the first time the Metal Blade have asked for a revision of an artwork submission? Um, Well, 
you know, yes and no, I guess, because obviously we always just want to have one piece. And then back in the early days, when right, where we're putting out, like, say, Tomb of the Mutilated after Butchered at Birth, when they knew, well, hey, we're going to have some issues here, you know. So, so of course, when, what ends up happening, Tomb of the Mutilated, well, you got the, the regular cover and then you got the censored art, you know. Mm. So we kind of, like, ended up knowing that was going to end up happening for our, most of our career here, you know. So, hence, that's why we have a lot of the releases have the censored artwork as well. You know, I mean, and there's some that didn't have the censored art, like uh, Wretched Spawn, where we then you kind of got to make one up. You know, I know like the German version and it ended up being like just one like corner of the album or something like that. Or Vile, it just ends up being like the, the guy's face close up, you know. So we only had the one piece. And then, of course, there had to be a piece. So but man, this time around, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I think we should have known that it was probably going to end up being this way, but it was like, let's just have one piece of art. That's the way it should be. What's the big deal? You know who it's just music. It's just a fictional art here. So when we, when we had the original version with the, you know, the woman and the baby and all that, it was like, okay, here's the cover, you know? And then of course what happens, right. You send it to the record label and they're immediately going, Oh, it's awesome. Of course. But, you know, we're going to need something censored here because, you know, Germany's not going to take it, this this record store, you know, this market, all that, you know. So instead of, of course, doing what we could have done, well, yeah, you take a piece of it or something like that. It was like, well, let's just make up another, you know, the, the censored version and have Vince draw another piece accompanying that. And uh, that's what we did. So, so we should have known better and probably just did it right off the bat, knowing mm-hmm. if we're going to have this brutal cover like that, that it's going to cause some, you know, know problems but um you know i mean i was really hoping it wasn't <laughs> it'd be just yeah. nice to have, have it'd just be nice to have the release in all aspects you know just there you go this is the cover but you know but hey what do you what can you do you got another cool piece of art i think the censored version turned out awesome as well and it's pretty intense so so it's just uh ends up you know being a cool thing to have another piece but should have known yeah. better i think the end the end product is like wonderfully minimalist anyway as in, like, minimalist maybe the wrong word because it's not minimalist in the conventional sense. There's, it's just not big scale landscapes. It's just brutality. But right. When you when you read that article, which I've just pitched to everyone, um, um, heaviest of art, for me it it established a canon. So buy the buy the art book uh, bundle because you'll see the earlier version. And for me, the current art, the actual the the approved artwork is just the uncensored one, but zoomed in. So in my head, all that stuff is going on around it. Yeah, yeah. I want to think yeah, of it yeah. that way. It, it still has that same sort of bite. Well, that's what it is. It ties it in, really. That, if you know yeah, both exactly. pieces, you're going to see the uh, censored version and go, okay, well, basically this is, you know, just a, right, a profile of what's basically happening in the main picture here, you know, which is cool. Cool to tie it in that way. That's yeah, it's sure. badass, man. Um, I want to take a quick retrospective on something which I'd, I'd usually try and avoid, but I've, one of the little side projects I've been working on is I've been working on a history of Roadrunner records. I know that's nothing to do with can- Cannibal, but I'm now at a point where I'm, I'm at Marrow Sound and I'm trying to contextualize, because again, I'm a young man, I'm trying to contextualize their impact on the entire scene. And I spoke to Tom Morris and the problem with Tom Morris is he's so fucking humble that when I ask him, were you the, the first people to give a shit about death metal? And that's why it sounds so fucking good. And that's why Morrison was the centerpiece of that world. His answer is oh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe we just, you know, maybe we just liked it at the time or something like that. But I'm just wondering if you could give me a bit of an education as to what appealed you in the first place to Morrison. Was it the, I've heard things about the drum sound and the drum room and Scott's approach to that. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I know what I, you know, it's looking back, it's just like amazing, right? Morrisound is a vital part of death metal, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and did so much in the early days, right? Um, and, you know, it, it was really just Scott, you know, obviously. Um, we wanted to work with Scott Burns. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I remember when we first heard, um, it was, I know he, I don't think it was recorded at Morrison, but when we heard Beneath the Remains, when we heard Sepulchre Beneath the Remains and Scott produced it, you know, we were just like blown away by that. Just sounded so huge and the drum sounded great. And it was just a great production, man. We yeah. were just very happy with that production. Um, and, um, you know, we just really wanted to work with Scott Burns, you know. And then I think at the time, what, Obituary, you know, of course did, uh, you know, work uh, there, Terrorizer and, you know, things. Things, uh, we're, we're done there, but uh, but we wanted to work with Scott, and then and that was that was vital, that was key, you know. So mm-hmm. of course, you know him him working at Morris Sound, you know that put us in Morris Sound, you know, and uh, and then yeah, it just blew up from there basically, you know. I mean, with the releases that they you know said put out with uh, you know the Obituary and then you know Death and you know and then everybody else coming down there to use use the studio and all that. I mean, but yeah, I don't know. It's just it was Scott's work, you know. I can't really. <laughs> pinpoint exactly where i know i know i mean i love the drum sound and beneath the remains but it wasn't like that was the drum sounds that were really being produced in morris sound maybe mm-hmm. i don't know you know I, I, it's it, all, all like i said all all we knew is we wanted to work with scott and uh and we did and uh we're happy he did a great job for us of course on the five that he did and uh it was an amazing time to be uh, be a part of the Morrison legacy and uh um you know i think exactly you know jim and tom are going to be that way about the studio and all that and and um you know that's the way they are great guys of course and uh yeah it was it, it was awesome times man but yeah it was it, like i said it was really just man we got to work with scott burns you know? yeah man um i heard that you play hockey uh, ice hockey as a way to keep yourself fit which keeps you on top of your game uh, I made this pitch to Brian Slagle, and I'm going to make it a pitch to yourself as well. Underwater hockey is a real sport. It's a lot easier on the joints. And because it's all resistance-based, it, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a real, it's a real thing. I play with my local team, and our oldest member who actually plays with us in the league, um, 80, turned 80 this year. Wow. Nice, nice. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know there was an under uh, underwater hockey league or underwater hockey to be to, to tell you the truth. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, very uh, anything in water is going to be an amazing workout, of course. You know, I mean, the resistance and all that. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I can give it a try. A lot of swimming, a lot of water down in Florida, but but man, I don't know. I just I, I obviously love hockey in the in the pure sense of being on the ice and you know being from. Uh, you know, close to Canada, being from Buffalo and, uh, you know, growing up on playing outside like that on skating and, and, you know, going fast. And that's a big, big part of it to me is, you know, zooming around on skates and everything and just the, you know, the physicality of the sport and all that. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I, I love it. It's, it's in me. I've been playing since I was five years old, you know, so, but, uh, but yeah, you're right though. Obviously it's a uh, less, uh, less, less strenuous on the joints and, you know, less physical, I guess. And, and, not as fast so so you could probably play it until you're you know 80 years old but that's uh, it's interesting i'll have to uh have to look into it maybe there's something happening in florida who knows i think it's quite i think it is quite widespread now i think because it was a british sport mm. and i know the commonwealth countries as usual like the australians and new zealand's are all fucking amazing at everything that british people invent and i know mm. that america has a team 
but I'm not hmm. quite sure how widespread it is. That yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely interesting, you know, so... Yeah. But, dude, I think I've given you enough time to go for a cup of tea before your next interview. Thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Um, this will probably go out early early April. I can't remember what my embargo is. But um, all awesome. the best of luck. It's a shit-hot album. It kicks tits. It's going to blow your fucking brains out. It's really important. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me, and thanks for the kind words and all that. And, uh, you know, just hope we can uh, play for all the fans and be out your way sooner than later, you know? Yeah, man. So, all right. See you on the road. Yeah, definitely. All right, man. Take care. Man. You too, man. Good Peace. Talk. All right. All right. Bye-bye.